This is a Need 10 Media production. Hello, it's Nate Clayberg, and welcome aboard for this episode of the That's a Job podcast. And on this show, we talk with professionals about jobs that many of us may not know exist, and some jobs that we're, well, maybe not familiar with, but we get to learn more about what work uh, is out there and the pathways to get there. And in this episode, we get to meet somebody that was strongly recommended to me by my guest is Amber Moore. I want to thank Tara Getman for the introduction. Amber, welcome to That's a Job podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, before we dive right in uh, to learn more about you and, and the work you're doing now, let's go all the way back as you were beginning your career adventure as maybe an 18-year-old kid graduating high school, family asking you, what are you doing next year? What do you want to be when you grow up? What did you tell them? What were your aspirations back then where you thought you would be heading? Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I was I was every high school kid dating her high school boyfriend and just kind of following him where he was going to school. So I, I really didn't know what I wanted to be. I had worked all through high school, multiple jobs and knew I needed a job, obviously through college. So I actually qualified for a work-study job while I was in college. And they very quickly realized like, this girl, I think has a head on her shoulders and we've got an opening actually in the department. We should see if she, you know, she'll actually work for us as well while going to school, like full-time. So, uh, so they, they offered me a job and I gladly took it because it was money and the idea of working, you know, in a higher education setting was actually really exciting to me because it's, you make an impact in higher ed and it's, it was just a really cool experience to be able to do that. What were some, well, first I got to stop. Did the high school boyfriend, did that, is that still a thing today or or did we change the channel on that? No, so we I am I am that classic kid from Iowa who started dating her high school boyfriend at you know freshman year of high school and married him at age 20. So we've been together now for 22 years and we've been married for 17 years now. So it's going strong. Two kids. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, you know, you said you didn't know, but was there some things you were maybe bouncing around in high school? There were some different interests before you ended up, you know discovering a pathway within higher ed and and working with students? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things where you have these dreams when you're kids, when you're a kid, right? And for a long time, I wanted to be a vet. I was like, I'm going to be a veterinarian. I'm going to work with animals. It's going to be amazing. And then as you grow older, you realize actually that can entail a lot of really hard things too, right? And so as you grow up, you start really weighing the pros and cons of different careers and in realizing what would be a good fit for your life. And um, I very quickly realized being a veterinarian was not something my heart was going to be able to handle and I needed to, to switch gears. So then I was thinking, I want to be a groomer. Like, those are all the good things. I get to just hang out with animals all day and, and groom them. And then I'm like, no, I don't, that's not going to be for me either. You know? And so I did, I changed my major quite a few times when I was in college and ended up landing in business. Cause I knew in business, while yes, I do love animals. I'm a very social person and you know, need to be with people all the time. And you can't really do business by yourself. So that well, it's a good, beginning. it's a good discovery that I think a lot of people don't admit that there are some things with jobs that they think they want mm-hmm. that they don't quite think about the impact of realistically, right? 
having to put an animal down or having to do things that it's just not all rainbows and sunshines and unicorns uh, in, in many businesses. But, you know, I've come across people are like, well, this is what I told people I was going to do. So I've got to continue to do it. Mm-hmm. But that takes that took a lot for you to say and look at some things saying, yeah, that's not for me. But you still open your mind to try and explore what else could be there for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I changed my major four different times when I was in college, trying to figure out what the the perfect fit would be, you know, from what I knew that my personality needed the rest of my career. So you're, you're working through this work study job and on your pathway. So as you're, as you were evolving from college, was there a job that you had in mind that you wanted to try and, and go after? And I maybe actually ended up in. Yeah. So I, while, you know, when I kind of went from being just a part-time work study to being a full-time employee. I worked within a department of the college that worked with a lot of paramedics, ran all of the paramedic programs, CPR, you know, nurse aid, all of those types of programs. And it was amazing because even though I was, I was just front desk, right. I'm answering phones. I'm, you know, directing people of who to talk to. I became really good at also helping students. So I started actually advising them, even though I wasn't technically an advisor, (laughs) it wasn't, it wasn't in my job role. I very quickly knew that I knew all the answers that everybody else that sat in offices behind me knew. So I started answering them and I started really having some amazing, you know, impacts on students and, you know, dealing with parents and all the people who call in. And so for a long time, I thought I want to be higher ed forever. Like, I don't see myself going anywhere. This is amazing. And (laughs) And then that's shifted because I, I finished my two-year degree. I went on, I got my four-year degree and that was in a year where there just wasn't a lot of jobs and the university, the college I was working for did not have anything available. And I, you know, was like, I graduated, I want more money. I need a new job. (laughs) And so I started looking elsewhere and I very weirdly got into an area of the world in consulting, which was a very odd situation of how I landed that job, actually. <laughs> well, well, don't leave us hanging. Let's yeah. let's figure that out. So <laughs> no, no jobs at the college, which, right. you know, working in higher ed can be very comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's seen as a very comfortable job because um, I've worked in higher ed. I've worked around people that are still in higher ed. It's it's like you it, people aspire to go work for the college, right? Because it's very comfortable and can be, Uh, and has good benefits, but that wasn't available to you. And you're probably trying to figure out what is a world outside of of a campus life. So let's let's, let's find this path. Yeah. And I didn't know what that world was. So I did what every natural weird decision-making thing was at that time. And I jumped on Craigslist and thought, I'm going to find a part-time job that I can just do on the side while I still work, you know, my current job. And That'll get me by until I find something better. And so I found a part-time job collating surveys that people had filled out after a, like a conference type thing. It was very data, boring, tedious work, but it was, you know, it was extra money. And, and again, it was one of those situations where the people that I was working for were like, oh, you could probably help us with this other thing too. And what about this? And they started giving me a few other things outside what I was originally going to do. And then a very within, I think it was less than two months, offered me a full-time job working for that co- company. 
Wasn't that huge when you go somewhere and and they see something in you? And it's not like that happened at the college, but especially here in an area that I'm sure you didn't plan this to be a long-term deal. It was just a stop along the way. Mm -hmm. How important is that? How important that was to you as a young person to have somebody see something in you and want to bring you along? It is. You never know, you know, who around you is going to impact your life. You never know. And you never know who's watching. You never know who's paying attention. And even though this was a really silly, weird part-time job, it was one of those things where the right people were watching and paying attention. And if I had been slacking or treating it like, you know, eh, whatever, it's just this extra thing, they wouldn't have seen that I could do other things, right? Or I would have said, no, I'm just going to stick with this, you know, data collation of these surveys. I'm very much the type of person that wants to prove myself. And they saw that. And so even doing a really minuscule task, like you still have to dedicate yourself fully because you never know who's watching and what impact that'll make on your career in the future. So you, you climb your way through, through there and where does it go from there? Yeah, it, it goes all over the world actually from there. <laughs> so quite literally. Um, so this, this consulting firm, one of their biggest clients was British Telecom. And so the, the man that I was working for. So this um, was the one that you were working out of, out of college. This is this, you're talking about that same firm, or this is a different one. This, this is the consulting firm that I went to right after college. Okay. So they got a British client and you get an opportunity to, to go see them is what I'm guessing. Yeah. British, British telecom is, it is a global organization and they have offices all over, all over the world. And so the consultant that I was working directly with, um, he would travel to all of the offices and advise them on different techniques of selling and relationship building and all of these other things. And I had the opportunity to actually travel to most of those offices with him. So I went to Moscow, Russia, Johannesburg, South Africa. I went to Istanbul. I was in London, of course, multiple places throughout the States as well. And, you know, I was... In my 20s, I had no kids at that time. And it was the most amazing, crazy roller coaster of a ride where I was just thrown into the deep end of the business consulting world and the business world in general. Um, and I learned just an insane, insane amount just in that time, you know, doing that. When, when you look at the kind of work that you're doing and yeah, it's it's for consulting, but describe describe the kind of work, you know, that somebody in that in those positions is doing and and what you get to be involved in that a high schooler listening to this or a parent listening to this you're going to educate them on and heck maybe <laughs> maybe me even too yeah so that was actually that was a really fun job because i did all the background work so with that job one of the things that you know my boss at the time was advising these sales teams on was how best to build relationships within the organizations that they're trying to sell into, right? And how to make connections. So literally my job, it's kind of weird to say this out loud, but my job is kind of stalking people <laughs> because what we did is we created a database of all of the, you know, the people and relationships that these salespeople had in the other organization that they were trying to sell into. And I took those people and I found out, you know, where did they go to college? What did they study? You know, where are they from? What is their background? Do they have kids? And I made them into just normal, everyday human beings that didn't feel so daunting to talk to because it's this top level executive person. And I also gave them insights on, you know, 
this is the best way to talk about them. And here's a link to an interview that they've done. And now you know the cadence of how they talk and what they find important. And you you really humanize a person and also give you some, give yourself like this whole toolkit of things that you can reference, not in a creepy way of like, hey, you know, we stopped you and we know all these things, but in a way of just saying, you know, I saw on your LinkedIn that, you know, you followed this group. Like I, and maybe naturally I also follow that group, right? We don't want to be fake about it, but this is why I follow them. And I find them super fascinating because of A, B, and C. Like, why do you follow them? Right. And now you're having a real conversation with somebody that's not just selling them. Like it's, it's just real connection, you know, human to human. Yeah. Foundation building that relationship and and using the tools available. And it's, it's, it's amazing how many people don't do that research or even just a simple Google search or social media or whatever to try and figure out who they are. And who knows if there is a common tie to it, right. That, That you can start processing through there. So you've got, you were doing that work. Was there a place that that just was coming to an end or did some opportunity come up for you? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what's interesting with that is my boss at that time decided to leave that firm and start his own firm and asked me, of course, because I was his right-hand person, Hey, Amber, are you coming with me? <laughs> and I was like, of course. <laughs> so, uh, so we actually started our own firm and started doing some different things there. Um, a lot of uh, data, you know, still some data stuff, some analysis stuff, some, you know, really sophisticated research type things. And we did that for, I think it was just under two years. Um, okay. I had a baby in that time frame as well. <laughs> so life, life shifted in that little time frame. Well, some of the stuff you sell as you're working on when it comes to almost data analysis, data science type stuff, you could very well, someone could see a job like that posted and don't think they're qualified for it, but you didn't have the qualifications for no. it. You didn't have the schooling or the training for something like that. How did, how did you learn it? You know, you, you learn on the job, but mm-hmm. you know, talk about that of, of someone saying, I can't do that job because that's not what I went to school for, or I don't have that. I never took any of those classes. How did you learn it? I rolled up my sleeves and I put my head down and I just learned it. One of the prime examples is, you know, I had to set up a Qualtrics survey that was actually really, really beyond just an average survey type format. Like it was a right. very customized, unique thing. And then I had to take all that data out of Qualtrics and put it into Tableau and create a dashboard out of Tableau, an automated report set of Tableau, which meant I had to actually hire out an R expert to do some of that. But there's a lot of that I had to just learn myself. And anybody who has ever played in Tableau knows that is no easy feat. <laughs> and so there were some tears and there were frustrations. And there were times where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. But at that point, it was just me and my boss. And we could hire out some things, but we were small. We couldn't hire out everything. And that meant it was up to me to just figure it out and learn it. And so I did. So you uh, you worked through that couple years, have a kid there for uh, a little while longer, and you've developed these skill sets. And I imagine there's some relationships outside uh, of of your working uh, with with the consulting group that you got connections with. And this is maybe me, me, maybe me foreshadowing how you ended up where you're at now. It, would that be right? Kind of. So while there, we met, you know, this, these couple of guys who had this company called Lyft Innovate. 
Um, and we really clicked with them. You know, they were doing some really cool things in the technology adoption world. A lot of things really, you know, balanced a lot of stuff, you know, when it came to what we were working on and what they were working on. And we had multiple calls with them over the course of probably a year or maybe even longer. (laughs) We're just hanging out with them and have an idea, sharing ideas and thoughts. And it always ended with, we need to figure out a way to work together. And then one day it was just decided, let's just merge companies. Oh, okay. Let's just merge companies. And so we did. So the company that I was with prior merged into Lift Innovate and we, we became one group. You know, it's interesting how that, that happens. And I've had that a couple of times where you just find people that you're just drawn to and you're on the same wavelength as far as just understanding what each other needs or does or whatever. That seems to be what it sounded like. I've, I've heard that too. We got to figure out a way to work together. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and we both kind of needed each other at that point, especially, you know, they... They needed a lot of the skills that, you know, we were able to bring to the table and we needed a lot of what they were able to bring to the table too. And so it was, it was a match made in heaven, you know, and, and we blew up after that. We, you know, we really grew, you know, all of us on both sides, you know, coming together like that. We'll talk about Lift Innovate, what that is, who they serve, the work that it is, and then we'll get into kind of the roles that you've had through there. And, you know, these are all positions that, you know, you can pull up on a job board or, or LinkedIn or whatever, and you can kind of see, you know, consultant and analyst and project manager, but you don't really know what it is or That's how they get means. there or the skill sets needed. But yeah, talk more about what Lyft Innovate is. So we are, a, and this is kind of a, one of those weird questions that ev- when you ask everybody in our organization, we all have our own little flavor of what it is, even right. though we're all really doing the same thing. So here is mine. So when it comes to Lift Innovate, our entire purpose is to really bridge that gap between technologies and tools and processes that people need and the people who actually have to do it. And that sometimes is really hard, right? If you have a new tool, how do you make sure that that tool is able to get a person's job done and that person can understand how to do that, right? And so there's a lot of the technology adoption side of things, but we also have a whole research leg as well that looks into user experience and how they interact with websites, with tools, what they're looking for for different things. So it's kind of both sides of that coin. It's the actual execution of the adoption of tools and processes as well as the study of them as well. And it's we call it people, people-powered growth because at the end of the day, everything we look at is how are we improving that, that person's experience. Is there is there anything that Lyft Innovate has been involved in that the average person would find some sort of connection of how you helped a company or a client bring something to fruition that, that maybe somebody would understand Lyft Innovate necessarily isn't a, it's not a craft or a Boeing, uh, but behind the scenes, making some things happen. Yeah. I have a, a lot of examples actually of that. My favorite one to talk about is, you know, one that I've done for a university. So UMBC, which is University of Maryland, Baltimore County, you know, in 2020, we were just starting to work with them with our traditional, our traditional stuff that we helped with, with you know, Cisco products more specifically. And then of course COVID hit and everybody's lives changed, especially in the higher ed world. And they had that same problem everybody else had of how are we going to do certain things in a remote fashion, right? 
And more specifically, in their use case, they needed to figure out how are we going to do orientation advising? So for new coming freshman students, how the heck are we going to get them advised, registered for their classes, set up and ready to go for fall? Like, we've we've never done this in a remote fashion. This has always been something that was face-to-face. Like, there's no way we're going to be able to do it. It was very much where their mindset was. But what lifted and, you know, what me and my team did specifically is we came in, we mapped out their entire process, start to finish of what it is in person. And then we turned around and translated that exact process as to what that would be in the virtual world and how we can even maybe get better in certain areas. Because if we have this opportunity, let's not just stick with status quo. Let's see where can we be more efficient? Where can we actually improve experiences? All of these different things. And we, then, and we did that. We turned it around in an insane amount of time because there wasn't a lot of time from when COVID hit and orientation began. And what's really insane is student scores at the end of all of that, they always fill a survey after every, after every advising session. They had record, record scores of you know, satisfaction from the students. And it's because it actually was a really amazing experience when, at a time when nobody knew if it was going to be possible at all. Well, I got to look at this, especially, you know, you've worked inside higher ed and have worked out, you know, outside yeah. of it as well, but getting that type of industry to, to change how they do things after they've been doing it for so long, was there some pieces that you guys had pulled from working with non-education clients on customer journey that you adapted in that honestly, we can say colleges don't always think of the customer? Uh, in, in that process, I would say that that really took some advantage and 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 even pulling back from 20, uh, 2020 till now at UMBC, you know, what impact has that had over all the work that you guys did for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let's they haven't let us leave. Let's put it that way. We <laughs> we have been involved every single semester um, and every semester we reiterate right? What updates have come out? What changes are there to the technology? What feedback did we get from the last semester, right? How can we make this better and better and better? And we have every semester is just better. And I absolutely pull from all different industries when I, when I advise higher ed, I work a lot with higher ed, but I also work a lot with government, which is also a slower moving industry. Small rudder, big ship. Yeah. Yep. And I also work with large, like the top, top, you know, insurance industries. I, you know, all these different types of industries and they all have their little niches of things that they do really, really well. So to pull those kind of best practices of, well, you know, this is what farmer's insurance was doing and it worked really amazing. Like, how can I input that here over at UMBC or whatever, you know, place I'm working there and and it works really well because you you kind of have this really broad lens in a consulting you know field because you you don't just work for one company right i have lots of companies i work for i have lots of industries i work for and it just makes my wealth of knowledge just so much bigger than what it would be if i was literally just focused on one company 24/7 you know day in and day out you know you look at where you're at now and and how many team members you have within Lift Innovate, uh, and, and where that is going, and from a something describing of, of of merging and growing uh, from I think you said you were in a two person shop just yeah. uh, trying to make things happen and make things work for clients and for yourselves. You've moved up, right? You're you're uh, you've got people that work for you or yeah. uh, that report to you. 
how different is that from going just a two-person shop, keeping things going to to bringing on people and and learning to be that manager and that leader? Mm-hmm. A lot of on-the-job training for you in your career. Yeah. Very, 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 very different. Because, you know, when it's a two-person shop, two people can do things and that's it. And it doesn't matter what it is. It's just these two people that are doing it. When you start growing and then, you know, I've got promoted, you know, from just kind of that consultant, project manager, analyst up all the way now to, you know, executive director, you know, yeah, I got a, I got a team of people that I need to make sure can do things at the level that, that I've been doing them or at least really close. Right. And, and it's tough because we all have our ways of doing things. And when you first start becoming, you know, a leader in an organization, one, one of the first things that you realize that you have to overcome is nobody's going to do things exactly the way you do them. Mm-hmm. It's just, they're just not, everybody has their own style and their own flavor. And, um, and that has to be okay. As long as the expectations of what needs to happen are being met. Right. And I think that's been my biggest hurdle personally is, yeah, I'm a little bit of a type A <laughs> control free type person because it's always been me figuring out how to do things. So, so that's definitely been a challenge, but a really rewarding one because, oh man, when you see somebody tackle something that I know is hard for them and they do it really well and they succeed. And it's something that like you see yourself doing just, you know, 10 years ago or however many years ago, and you went through that same kind of change and growth and experience. Like, there's just nothing more rewarding than that. So it's challenging, but dang, it's fun. Well, and I'm going to go off of the what you did for UMBC to to the work you do now. I you're you're working remote, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So talk about that kind of work and working like that in today's day and age, which has become more acceptable uh, mm-hmm. since the pandemic. But talk about working like that and having people working with you and for you remote. Yeah, that's a big, that's a, a really big area that we're even growing in our company is growing that expertise of, you know, we really are remote work experts, not only in the tools, but also in the processes and best practices, because I've been working remote for 12 years, right? I've been doing it for a really long time, way before it was like the thing to do. And it's, it's a little painful when you, when you go from seeing people face to face every single day to now through a computer screen especially for someone as social as I am, you have to, you have to kind of adjust some things, but, you know, as people first start, you know, branching into the remote world, there's some serious best practices that need to be done, whether it's, you know, building trust with your boss, they have to know that they trust that you're working when you say you're working, Right. right? Trust with yourself so that you know that you're not just scrolling TikTok on your phone all day, as opposed to working, you know, all of those just kind of discipline things that have to be put in place. And, you know, knowing all the tools behind it. You can't expect yourself to work remote if you're constantly struggling with the collaboration platform that you're, you know, needing to use or the, you know, cloud storage system or whatever that might be. So there's lots of policies and procedures. So tons, tons and tons and tons to think about with remote work, but it's definitely, it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. And so it's, it's a really exciting step into the future. Well, let's rewind back to that young gal that didn't know what she wanted to do and ended up in college. What do you what do you say to her now, based on what you know, to to be ready for the life that that has come uh, come behind you, but also moving ahead of you? What do you say to that young lady? 
Oh goodness. That's, that could be a deep question. Um, <laughs> that young lady was out to prove the world wrong. Right. I, I grew up, you know, very poor in an environment that was not very conducive, you know, to building a child with a lot of self-esteem. However, I, I was that kid. I was that kid that says, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it for myself. And I'm going to prove to the world that it doesn't matter where I came from. I've got it. Right. And, you know, seeing where I'm at right now and knowing who that girl was back then, it's, it's kind of almost emotional because I've done it. Like I've got the family, I've got the house, I've got the career, you know, it's, and of course I want more, like nobody's ever satisfied where they are, but like, (laughs) but I did it. Like I 100% accomplished those goals. And even though at that time in my life, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew where I wanted to be. And I'm one of the lucky people that I've been able to land there. And you can wear pajama pants to work and no shoes. (laughs) If you feel inclined to do that, and maybe you are today, I don't know. Socks and shorts on today. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time, Amber, uh, to be on That's a Job podcast. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for having me. This has been a blast. Thank you again for listening and being on this journey. Please subscribe and share this podcast. It's called That's a Job. It's on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The That's a Job podcast presented by Career Adventure Academy and the College and Career Discovery course. Discover the work you are wired to do. Now, go live your career adventure. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to enjoy future episodes. Build your career adventure at nateplayberg.com. Production assistance provided by Bill Jordan voiceovers. Visit billjordanvo.com. This podcast is a Need 10 Media production.